ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. My name is Aaron, and across my living room from me today, Ms. Julia Larkin. Welcome to the show, Julia. Hello. Thanks for coming to my home today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so uh, before we get too far into everything, like I know we're going to, remind me how you and I met. We start every episode the same, so yes. I have to know. So let me backtrack a little bit. So I moved to town. I didn't know anybody. Um, and when you're looking for a roommate, like you go on Facebook and stuff. So I was supposed to talk with Tara to be mm -hmm. roommates. Um, it didn't wind up working out, but I still reached out to her afterwards and we met up for coffee. And then a week later, she invited me out and introduced me to all her friends. And you happen to be one of them. Well, that's simple. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, I couldn't imagine a better way to be introduced to the friend group than my first week there because I'm still friends with everybody now and I wouldn't be where I was, where I am now if I hadn't met everybody. So that's great. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're friends now. Me too. <laughs> You're my only friend who uh, has been inside my mouth with yeah. uh, dental tools. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, let's explain that. So people aren't like, what the heck? I'm a dental hygienist by day. <laughs> um, so if anyone needs their teeth clean, let me know. Hit me up. As soon as I started saying that, I was like, you're my friend who's been in my mouth. I was like, that sounds gross. I know it does sound <laughs> a little wrong, but, um, yeah. So if anyone needs their teeth cleaned, I gotcha. Only for so long. Cause I don't want to do it forever. So I don't think any of us want to do anything forever. Oh my God. Yeah. Like no. I love tour stop. I don't want to do it forever. I want to eventually sit on a beach and just leather. I want, yeah, I want to turn brown and <laughs> and just drink a pina colada and watch the waves. That does And eventually does just nice. become one with the sand. <laughs> just melt away into the sand. <laughs> I'll start as dust and end as dust. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so funny. So when did you move to town? What uh, what was that like? Um, It was intense. Um, a lot of people don't know that I'm actually married. So I, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit more, give you guys the rundown of like my life a little bit. So... Um, back in 2019, I was finishing up college and I met my now husband. Where'd you go to school? Um, University of New Haven in Connecticut. Okay. And up in Connecticut. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I'm from New York. I went to school in Connecticut. You don't have a New York accent. You'll hear it sometimes okay. like coffee or like dog. <laughs> I don't know. It comes out a little bit. All but right. I've been living, I lived in Virginia beach for a while. So like I, I was exposed to that, like Southern accent a little bit more. It's like me with my Missouri accent. Exactly. Sometimes it just comes out. Yeehaw. <laughs> Okay, so you moved uh, from New York to New Haven for school. Mm -hmm. And then I was on spring break in Virginia Beach with my friend and I was on Bumble. And I went on a couple dates with this guy and we really hit it off. I didn't think we'd ever see each other again. And then, you know, things moved kind of fast. He's he's military. We totally fit into the uh, uh, what's the word? Um, stereotype. There it is. <laughs> yeah, we moved pretty quickly. We got we got married a year later. Wow. <laughs> and I was living in Virginia Beach um, and I hadn't really been doing music, but it was always a thought in the back of my head. And I just was two years into my dental hygiene career and I was just honestly so miserable and unhappy. And I just knew that there was more for me and I had such big dreams. I just didn't try. Right. So it was like 2 a.m. one night. I wasn't sleeping and I like wake up my husband. I'm like, Luke, I need to move to Nashville. <laughs> He's like, all right, hold on. What's going on? So I You're kind like, of explained sorry, it. I've got to think about like, what the heck do I even want? Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of emotions. And that's a lot ugh. to think about all very, very, very fast. Yes. Too. Yes. But I think when you like know you have to do something, it just you got to do it. And right. 
Um, luckily he's the most supportive person in the world. And he, he was like, you need to go and you need to do this. And so having his support was really important to me because honestly, I, I don't know where we would be if he wasn't supportive. I, I mean, I, I knew at that point I had to do what was best for myself. Um, so having that support just made me love him so much more. Um, so then I moved to Nashville by myself. Didn't know anybody. So that was 2021. This was yes. 2021. 2021. I moved in October of 2021. Um, I started doing a couple like open mics just to like get back into it a little bit. Where was the first place you played? But this was before Nashville. So it was in Virginia beach. I was doing at this like rundown bar. I'm not going to say rundown. It was like a dive bar. The froggies. kind of place that'll willingly host an open mic. Exactly. And <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm glad I did it because it it did help a lot, but uh, it was, it was just intense moving here and not having played for so long. The first place I ever played was at the Rusty Nail. In, uh, in Hermitage. That's up on Demonbrian, correct? Honestly, I'm so terrible with directions. So probably... <laughs> <laughs> there, or there might be more than one rusty nail. I think there that, might be. I know this I, one was in Hermitage. So okay, whatever's so that there, area. There were, there were multiple locations then. Yeah. Then I feel better. I feel better because I was like, as soon as I said that, it didn't seem quite right. Yeah. Um. So that was my first round. And I I met um Al David and Dustin Kynes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, mm-hmm. but. Um, I know Al. They're awesome. They're yeah. awesome. And they're great songwriters, great performers. And, and then Dustin was my first co-write in Nashville. Had you ever co-written before moving to Nashville? No, not really. Was I, it scary? Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, I only ever wrote by myself. I did, actually, that's a lie. I went to one co-write. When I visited Nashville, I did one co-write with these two gentlemen and um, it was fun, but it's just, it's weird. Like you don't, when you don't, when you've never done something before. Um, and then also with a new person. Yeah. And you don't know them, but honestly, like it's fun because someone might have an idea or see something differently than than you would and i think it's with anything you just get better as you go along so you just got to kind of not think about it and just do it you kind of feel like your ideas are stupid and you question yourself but i think it's when you stop questioning yourself that good songs get written in my opinion so let's lay some groundwork here when did music actually start being part of your life rather than just as Mm -hmm. you know like a hobby as a kid when it became part of my life I mean, I would say in high school, because I took guitar lessons for like six years, but when I started doing like talent shows and any kind of performance at school, I just knew that like this is what I wanted really badly. And I just every I would always daydream like seeing myself on a stage and singing to a crowd and having people sing my songs back to me. Were you in choir or theater or anything in high school? No, I really, no, I, there are so many of us choir nerds. Yeah. Here. <laughs> I, Oh my Were gosh. You popular I, in high school. I don't really, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> you would honestly have to ask other people. I, I feel like I was friends with everybody, but I didn't really have like a group. Okay. Um, I had one friend, actually Maya, her name is, Shout out. Um, shout out Maya. I'm going to tell her to listen to this. Um, so we, funny enough, we met on Facebook too. Really? And she went to a neighboring high school. This was literally like 11, 12 years ago. And I saw that she played guitar and sang too. Oh, okay. So you know what? She was actually my first co-write technically. Uh- <laughs> I'm like, bring, it's right. bringing back memories. So she was my only co-write before Nashville. And we would like write songs together. We would sing, we would perform. 
And I think that's kind of when I knew, like, this is what I really, truly wanted. I just, it took a while for me to believe in myself. So, but here, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're like, what was the, what was the first thing that got you into music though? Like, my dad. Your dad did? Yeah. So my dad, so he plays guitar by ear. Okay. Um, Never took lessons or anything, but he, he got me my first guitar when I was about eight years old. Um, and then started putting me in lessons. And I remember this one Christmas, um, I was at Target and I saw this like light pink sparkly guitar and I really, really wanted it. It was an electric guitar. One of those ones that comes prefab in the box with yeah. the strap and yeah. the picks and everything. Yeah. But it was, oh my gosh. I the mean, tiny little amp. Yes. Imagine being ten, a 10 year old girl and you see the sparkly pink electric guitar. Like <laughs> I wanted it. And my parents surprised me for Christmas with it. I was in heaven and then I was in guitar lessons with this guy, John, and he had like long, dark, curly hair, the biggest hands I've ever seen in my entire life, just ripping it on guitar. And we were doing, he was teaching me, (laughs) he was teaching me like from like Brian Adams, Smoke on the Water. Of course, Smoke on the Water is everyone's (laughs) first song. And then like Hannah Montana. (laughs) Wow. That's a real spread of genre. Yeah. Yeah, because he wanted to teach me the classic rock, which I love. But I was like, Hannah Montana. <laughs> I would love to see you just rip into the solo for Smoke <laughs> on the Water. <laughs> I literally remember it was like, open three, five. These were the frets. Yeah. Open three, six, five. Yeah, I literally remember being taught that. Um, I feel like that's <laughs> if, when any, if anyone ever says like what their first song is, it's always Smoke on the Water. Like, I feel like I think that was like this one of the first songs I learned, obviously. Mm-hmm. The very first song I learned was by this band called Trapped. T-R-A-P-T. They had a song called Headstrong. And it's just like some early 2000s new metal thing. But for whatever reason, I was like, that's a cool guitar riff. And I listen to it now and it's like two notes. But (laughs) I guess technically Smoke (laughs) on the Water is like four. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I guess that's kind of where I got started. And then I was getting really into Taylor Swift. So my parents switched me over to a different guitar teacher um, and she was a female guitar teacher and she was that more acoustic based. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Like folk stuff and finger picking. And she was, she's so talented. Oh my gosh. She could, I could literally put a song on and she like closes her eyes and just can start playing it. That's cool. Yeah. She taught me a lot. I mean, I was with her for six years. So yeah. So taking guitar lessons, did that influence the, uh, the songwriting because I definitely started playing the guitar first and then found mm-hmm. myself like with a compulsion, like I have all these feelings and I don't know how to communicate because I'm 14. Yeah. Was was songwriting uh, like a, a consequence, if you will, a result yeah. of the guitar playing? I, I think it's still, you know, speaks true today that that's kind of how I communicate. A lot of times I think I hold things in and it's easier for me to express it through music. Or, or like I I'm really quiet when I get into like an argument or I'm upset and I like need time to process it. And I'll, Do you internalize. Yeah, I totally internalize. So the songwriting helps. And I just I remember being like 16 and I had my first serious boyfriend and he told me that he loved me. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't love him. I'm 16. <laughs> like I so I started freaking out. and I remember like writing a song about it and he like heard me perform my song and I was like singing the song. To him. <laughs> I remember like, I remember being 17 and telling my girlfriend like, oh, we're in love. And then 
we got into one fight and broke up and I didn't care. It's like, oh, that's not love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is funny being able to go back and now as an adult, be like, oh, that's what was happening in my right. life and looking at yeah. it with a, a wisdom, if you will. It's, I don't feel wise. Instead but. of a diary, like I just have my notebooks of songs that I've written or like song ideas. And I just go through it. I'm like, wow, that's a little dark. <laughs> like, well, yeah, dark for Jesus. You're like dark 16. And sad. I, I still have all of my notebooks too. And it's hard to go back and read through that stuff sometimes because you're like, Jesus, I was depressed. I know. Everything's <laughs> so dramatic when you're younger. But it is cool like to see. You can um, see the growth. Yes, you can see the growth. And I have, sometimes I go back and will use something from you know, a couple years ago, even mm-hmm. if it's just like one line. I've been, re- so. I say reusing, I've been sitting on a lot of lines like that, that mm-hmm. I've just had in my like ideas in my phone for years. Yeah. And sometimes an idea that you have doesn't speak to you right then. And then mm-hmm. you have to wait five years to write that yeah. song because you, have the, you, you finally it. have the experience to inform it. Yeah. So yeah. what was the first song you wrote called? Do you remember? The first song that... <laughs> You really want to know? I really want to know. I have actually been dying to tell this story because it's so funny. So um, this was probably when I was like five or six. Okay. Okay. I had a little Barbie, <laughs> a little Barbie, um, little checkout thing. Okay. What do you call it? Register. Barbie, uh, checkout Barbie register. checkout register. Yeah, I know what and you're it had a about. microphone on it. And um, me and my brother, we were really close when we were younger and we would play a lot. And I wrote a song and I would sing it on the mic. And would you like to know the line? Yes. Tell okay, us. So we we want to hear all of the details. So it's okay if you fart on me. <laughs> like that's all I remember. But I, I remember it and we all remember it. And we all talk about it and we always sing it. That's great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My first song was a little bit more dramatic. It was about a girl. I've told this story before, but it was about a girl named Laura who I had a crush on in high school who didn't like me back. Oh, but get you. I'm glad that we've uh, we've all still got those stories. And now when we play songs that actually mean something, yeah, we're like, oh, OK, so I don't completely suck now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's growth. I feel like my song, though, really, it's more up your alley because I know you like to do those. Fun yeah, I bites. do love. I, I mean, I've made many, many a fart joke. <laughs> have you heard me play fart in the wind? No, I have not. So it's a parody of Kansas. Uh, Kansas is classic rock song. Dust in the wind. OK. But That's it's, uh, gosh, here, I've never read the words on, on the air before, but let me, let me pull it up here on my love, phone I would and love to hear I'll, I'll give you guys a look into, I actually have the, I think I have the words framed in my bedroom. They were hung up at my office for a long time, but I've got everything here now. So let's, let's read the lyrics to fart in the wind. Do you know the tune to the song? Like, um, I close my eyes. That, that one. one, yeah. So da, I clench da, da, da. my thighs only for a moment till the pressure's gone. Oh my God. I squeeze my knees <gasps> waiting for the gas to pass a sweet release. Oh my God. Far in the wind. <laughs> it was just a fart in the wind. And then I go on and on and on. So the, the first verse is about having to fart. The second verse is about what makes me fart. And then the third verse is just in parentheses, actively farting. That's so funny. Honestly, like if you can't laugh at farts, then I don't want to be your friend. I'm pretty it's, sure it's I will fun. never oh, grow up. That's fine. <laughs> you are totally like, fine. Yeah, okay. we, we have cursed many a time on the podcast. Okay, cool. I curse a lot and then I forget that I do it. No, you're totally good. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I've been a 14-year-old boy for 15 years <laughs> because I have been laughing at the same movies since then. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not really interested in going and seeing new movies. I just want to go back and rewatch Anchorman and like Step Brothers and yeah. Adam Sandler movies from that make stupid fart jokes. Okay, like, wait. Have you ever <laughs> seen The Master of Disguise? Yes. Okay. Well, turtle, last turtle. thing, and then we'll stop talking about farts. But <laughs> do you know the scene with like the evil guy in the backseat of the car, and he's mm-hmm. laughing, and every time he laughs, then he farts, <laughs> and then he like laughs. Oh my god, that gets me. It's it's funny going back and watching movies from our childhood because. I I really don't care about what's coming out now mm-hmm. at all. Oh, yeah. And I'm we, kind of the same way with music, too. Mm-hmm. I very rarely listen to new music. I just listen to the same, like, six albums over and yeah. over and over again. Yeah. That's also, I guess, part of, like, my job with Tour Stop is listening to so many people's music that... It's probably like an overload. Yes. It's an overload listening to music. So I'll listen to the music on the back end here at my, my desk. An office is a generous term for that mm-hmm. right now, but... I'll listen to people's music to schedule them and then Mm -hmm. I'll listen to it at the shows. So then I'm listening to 20 to 40 hours of music Mm -hmm. a week. So oftentimes the last thing I want to do is listen to music. Yeah. Have you ever driven home from a show in silence? Um, Like just sitting in your car? Yes. I actually don't, for the majority of the time, don't typically listen to music in the car. I listen to murder podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of those? Yeah, I'm one of those weirdos. Um, (laughs) It's, it's, I don't know why, but like I can fall asleep to listen, listen to that. I know it's weird. Creepy as fuck. I know it's, it's like my comfort. I don't know why. I think it's their, their voices is really like what. Is can, it that nice? Not NPR the topic. Voice. <laughs> Her toes were cut off. Her knees were cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I used to fall asleep listening to heavy metal. Okay. That's a little weird. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It was just something some, about the screaming something in your ears about, it gets you. Something about the screaming and the loud <laughs> stuff just put me out like a light. Oh my gosh. No longer. Now yeah. I just take my ears out and it's quiet. And yeah. Super there you go. easy. It's one of the few perks of being of deaf perks. is if I'm like, for example, on an airplane, mm-hmm. that crying baby is not oh, my problem. Yeah. You know, you got to <laughs> take what you can get from, you know, in life. You know? Yeah. Or if I'm at a really bad writer's round. I can just turn my ears Drown off. Drown it out. Yep. I uh, yep. I won't say who, but I do have a friend who's a, a bartender in Nashville. And mm-hmm. they'll look at me sometimes at shows and they'll just mouth at me like, are you even listening? Because they know that I'll turn my, yeah. my hearing aids yeah. off and I'll just shake my head. No. <laughs> Sorry. Now I know. I'm going to like look out for it now. Make yeah, sure you're you, listening you when I'm playing. You might notice. There's like you glaze over and your eyes are just like, is yeah. he even is he, is he attention? No, <laughs> I I never tune out at my own shows. I will give that caveat. Yeah, I I have tuned out at other people's shows, and that's also why it's hard to go to other people's shows. Like, kind of mm-hmm. as a tangent to that, listening to music all the time thing. The last yeah. thing I want to do, yeah. after hosting shows in bars for twenty hours or mm-hmm. more a week, is go to a show at a bar. Right, and like you want to be supportive for your friends, of like, course, totally. but it can get tiring. And kind of piggybacking off the overload of music I feel like since moving here and co-writing and stuff I feel like I I overanalyze all all these songs now I'm listening to all the lyrics and the instruments and like the structure of the song and I'm like it's it's just so overwhelming because and part of you is listening waiting for that like lyrical Mm -hmm. twist yeah and then some songs are just so simple and I'm like yeah they like they do so great it's just yeah it makes you really overthink everything honestly just, I think that's one of the things we've we've talked about him on the podcast before. Ryan Larkins, mm-hmm. no relation. 
No relation. I, no he's relation. Great, though I've heard him play before. Uh, this is Julia Larkin singular. No S. Drop the S. <laughs> this is Ryan Larkin's plural. But he uh, he's one of these songwriters who I think is just tapped in mm. so deeply into his his way of thinking, and he he writes some of the most deceptively simple lines. Like one of his favorite songs of mine is called "You Make Everything Better." And it's just a love song to his wife about how yes. she makes his life better. And yeah. one of the uh, lines is something along the lines of, you make everything better, like crackers in my chili or a road trip with some willy. Like, it's it's the most simple stuff. I mean, have you ever written a song that says putting crackers in my chili? No, no. You'd I, never even think about I that. I wouldn't think of that. We're all so tied up in trying to be metaphorical and right. clever that he's, he, meanwhile, the best songwriters in the world are like crackers and chili and Willie Nelson and road trips, mm -hmm. things people love. Yeah. You almost just like kind of self-sabotage at that point. Yeah. Oh, totally. It, it's really, it's, it can be really difficult sometimes. And I think also when you have, like, if you have a good melody, I think that can, you know, outweigh the not as strong lyrics totally. sometimes. And that's a, I think that's that something that I okay. have to, or I pay attention to is like when I, when I write rock songs, because mm -hmm. I read through some of like the Foo Fighters lyrics and they don't make any sense. Right, right. But loud rock guitars and a cool like melody. And then you've got the one hook line that everyone knows and everything else other than that is just like secondary. Yeah. And I think in country music, especially it's so focused on the hook and everyone mm -hmm. makes such a big deal about the hook and the lyrics and the story. And it can just be a What's the hook of much. Bohemian Rhapsody? There's not one. Exactly. I feel like it's like five songs in one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know? That's but it's proof to the point that you don't have you to don't. have like the world life changing hook mm -hmm. to have a killer song. If it's just a good song, people it's like it. It's a good it. song. Yeah. They like that it's a good song. Yeah. And that's also why it's a little damning being a songwriter because we focus so hard on that hook. Right. And it's hard to turn it off. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, when you get like a when solid one, hook it's and it's great. like, damn, like that was good. And you hear when you get to that point in the song and you hear someone finally say the hook, you're like, wow. But also it's like we don't always have to like not mm -hmm. every single song has to have, you know, this crazy hook. I don't know. I I wrote a song not too long ago with a hook that I thought was good and I thought that people would respond to. And after I played it, I realized that the whole song leading up to it is really good and the hook sucks. And I'm just trying to now do this songwriter analyzing mm -hmm. thing. Like, what can I say to say the same thing, but better? Yeah. And sitting with a co-writer sometimes, you're like, I want it to be like this and with, with this sentiment, but it has to fit these many syllables and say exactly yeah. this thing. And you're like, well, there's the hardest puzzle we've ever tried to right. come up like with. So it's, there's like the one hand where it's fun trying to figure it out. And then when you finally get it to fit all those parameters that you were looking for and say it in the way that you wanted to. It's really, I don't know, accomplishing. Mm -hmm. That's the word. Accomplished. Um, if you feel really and, accomplished. And accomplishment. Or, As an English major, you know, I, I should know, know how to say this. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I know don't songwriters, we should be able to. But then at the same time, it's like, are there really rules to songwriting? Like, no, no. there's not. You can do whatever you want. So it's, I think it's about finding a good balance of, of both of those things. Like that first day. song that I wrote as a kid, I didn't realize it at the time. I was, because I had no musical training. I was playing by ear for the most mm -hmm. part. I had, I'd taken piano lessons from my dad and I knew how to read music and like church choir, but mm -hmm. I was never a like play note for note 
guitar player dude. I was just like, loud rock guitars, cool. And I wrote a song that changes time signatures three times. And I just, I wrote, do you know what a tritone is? I don't think so. In, uh, in music theory and in like traditional music composition, mm-hmm. you're quote, not supposed to use tritones. So it's a, an interval. Mm-hmm. The Simpsons. That is a tritone. Okay. And uh, it's, I forget if, I think it's three stacks of like whole steps or something. But I wrote that kind of an interval into the first song's melody that I wrote, except I wrote it descending, which it's, I wrote all of these crazy things mm-hmm. into a song and I was like, there, cause there were no rules. Yeah. So I broke yeah. the rules of songwriting yeah. literally from the but first time I ever that's did That's the fun thing about songwriting is that there's no, no rules. Like you, you can be creative and kind of come up with every, with whatever you want. So it's just hard to get out of that mindset, especially in Nashville. It's just, you know, you're, you're when everything's at whatever so cut and dry. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're comparing yourself to other people and you're, when you're writing with these other people, we some don't people do take that. It more, <laughs> yeah, no, we're just looking forward. <laughs> it's hard not to sometimes. It's it, so it hard is. not it's, to, you know, but it just happens. And even when you see your own successes, like mm-hmm. you could have a huge show with a bunch of your friends out, your single release is the same day and everyone's partying and it's having a great time. And then literally like, You'll be in bed that night and you'll be scrolling through Instagram and see something that'll ruin all of it. I know. You're like, (laughs) why aren't I there yet? Why aren't I there yet? Yeah. It just, yeah, it takes time. I mean, I look at how far I've come from the first time I've moved here and it's, it's crazy to me. I mean, I went from literally not performing since 16 and, you know, now I'm performing a few times a week. And that's awesome. Yeah. And my voice has gotten better. I I started taking voice lessons and like that really helped. And I think people don't think they need voice lessons, but everyone can carry Underwood takes voice lessons. Ariana Grande takes voice lessons. Everybody doesn't matter who you are. Everyone. Like, even if you're not trying to, for example, like improve your vocal Mm -hmm. tone, they can teach you breathing exercises Mm -hmm. that will still improve everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's endless things to work or to learn. And it, you know, it's kind of like going to, to the gym. It's a muscle. You have to work it out and treat totally. it properly. So. And when you don't exercise that muscle, you mm-hmm. lose it. Exactly. And exactly. I've, I've been going to the gym lately and I'm relearning how much it hurts to lift weights. Hurts so it good. It sucks. <laughs> but after you get used to it, it's mm-hmm. not a problem. And it's like making it a habit. And Yep. Well, here, let's take a quick break yes. and we'll come right back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. Sweet. And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. Julia Larkin sitting on my couch today. We've uh, <laughs> changed seats. Usually I'm laid back on the couch with the what do you call this the sofa chase yeah i guess honestly i don't know but, <laughs> but i yeah. saw, it looked comfier than the leather chair so i was like <laughs> i want the i want the couch it is a comfy couch i fall asleep on it just about every night <laughs> so you it's just like put indented out, where you sit oh yeah the 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 middle <laughs> the middle couch there is def, or the middle cushion is definitely where i sit yes because I'll, I'll like change which side I lean into, but I'm always, always anchored on that middle cushion <laughs> and I have to flip it every now and then to keep it Sorry. from like conforming <laughs> to the exact shape of my butt. Of your butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> so you just um, put out a single. I did my first one ever. Tell us what it's called and what it was like to choose that first song because I know you got a lot. 
Yeah. How, um, it's, it's hard picking that first single. Oh my single, God, yeah. That debut. It was, it was a lot. Um, so I wrote this song called Toy with my really good friend, Willow Zoo. She's an incredible songwriter and artist. I would look her up. Um, <laughs> so we wrote this song back last year, actually this time last year. And um, I just knew that, I, I knew right away that I really liked the song and it was just really fun to perform. And so I had this other producer and uh, things didn't go well, you know? So I wound up switching producers to uh, this guy, Jason Bobo. Absolutely incredible. Best decision I've ever made. He made my vision come to life and really made that song into kind of what I didn't even know I was picturing. So um, that was just a, he made that experience so much better for me. And I actually just did a music video for it. So it's going to be out. Um, it'll be out when this podcast airs, but it, it'll, it'll be on March 5th. No, March 3rd that it comes so out. So it came out a few weeks ago from this release yeah, date. Yeah. Oh my here. God. It's weird. We're like talking in the future. If you right are now. listening to this on the day it came out, <laughs> I see you. I see you, grandpa. Yes. <laughs> um, so can you tell us what toy is about? Yeah. So it's about catching your significant other being shady and, and calling them out on it and just being like, I'm not taking your shit no more. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, just a fun, like empowering, you know, upbeat song for everybody. So who filmed your music video for you? So his name is Matt. I don't know how to pronounce his last name correctly, but I think it's Backness. Um, and he has a, a company called Classic 77 Creative Company. And he does music videos and content. And he did Haley Payne's Running Late video and Gracia's Run video. And I really loved both of their videos. So I reached out to him and... Oh my gosh, he was so great. He was just so friendly and just had such a vision and he made it so much fun to film. And That's cool. Yeah. It, did he kind of help curate or not curate? Did he kind of help create the idea for what the video was? Yes. So I had a couple of ideas on my own of my own. Um, and so did he. So we kind of like, you know, put our heads together and and figured out what we thought would be, be best. And um, I'm really happy with how it came out. So I'm very excited. That's exciting. Where w- where was it filmed? So we filmed it, there was two two places, one in my apartment and then one at a bar. So most of the scenes are at my apartment. So I just moved into a new unit. So I still had a bunch of boxes and stuff. So it was perfect for the video. That's cool. Um, and Funny then how had, life can yeah. suit your music. <laughs> yeah, it was like perfect timing. I had my friend Axel be, you know, the cheating love interest. And we play a lot together. So I was really comfortable with him. That's great. Um, I didn't want to have my husband being the cheating love interest. <laughs> I thought it would be kind of weird. So um, yeah, it would be weird to cast your husband as a right. love interest in a song. <laughs> well, the cheating love interest. A che- a cheating it would be lover. fine if it was a love song, but this wasn't. So I didn't, that didn't feel right to me. Um, so that was super fun. We We did some fighting scenes like. We really got into it. And then um, we did a bar scene at the underdog, which is like really vibey bar in East Nashville. Funny yeah. story about the underdog. That is actually uh, it used to be called turn one. Turn? And it was it like T-U-R-N, oh, turn. Like turn, turn one. one. And it was it was just a super dive bar. I mean, it's still a pretty dive. Yeah. now, yeah. But it was just as divey back then. And that is the first place I ever had a meeting about starting Nashville Tour Stop. No way. Me and the uh, guy I co-founded Tour Stop with. And what nobody else knows is that back then there was a third person. <gasps> there was a third person who wanted to do the show with us. He who but shall when, not be uh, named. But when we had that first meeting, this this girl who was bartending there, mm-hmm. she's like, I don't think I have the time for it. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And me and the other guy were just like, well, this will just be our thing then. Yeah. 
And look at you now. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> Tour stop was born at the underdog bar. He's probably beating himself up about it now that like they didn't. They didn't Did take they the put chance. your name up on the uh, the marquee there for the video? No, <laughs> no. I know what you're talking about, but no. I wish. Um, yeah, but they, that's have okay. a, they have wasn't an old school shot. marquee behind this stage there where it's pretty limited in its size. So I've seen people uh, have like long band names and they'll just put like oh, a three letter initial for mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And what's funny is he he told me like for best results, it would be to get like at least 10 people so that, you know, it just looked full. Um, I remember you filmed that the day that I was in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Yes, because I asked you to come. And um, yeah, so we had like 13 people. That's awesome. And I just feel really bad because literally nobody's in any of the shots. Like I didn't even need anybody, but it was still, it was fun. So I'm glad. It is always kind of scary when you like absolutely need people to show up and you worry like, what if no one's here? Yeah, I was a little nervous about that, but it was the opposite problem. I had all these people and I didn't actually need them. But I mean, you didn't we didn't know that until he decided which pieces of the film to take. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it still turned out really good, so I'm happy with it. But I just felt bad for my <laughs> friends cuz they were probably they were probably excited to see themselves in it. I was excited to see them in it, but That's okay. awesome. So, uh back in Virginia Beach, are there are there venues? I don't know anything about the music scene mm-hmm. up there. Are there venues there that would be important for you to play at like as a as an artist now? Yes. It's kind of difficult. Um there's kind of like a monopoly in Virginia Beach. Okay. Um me what and Axel mean? were talking about it actually cuz Axel, he's from Axel Rasmussen. He's Shout from, out Axel yeah, Rasmussen. That's my homie. Um he's from Virginia Beach. So mm-hmm. we were talking about it. But you have to like go through this thing called like Rockstar Booking, and they, they, they book all the venues there. So you cannot get booked oh, at any venue unless it's you kind of like a them. Live Nation situation. Yes, and they have like a set couple people that that play all the shows. That's so. I have my my friend actually uh, Bennett Walker Walker Wales. Shout out to him as well. He plays most venues there, and he, I mean, he makes a living there. I would wow. say, yeah, he does because he's playing all the venues. So, I mean, good for him. I'm glad he's he's making But it also months. sucks that it's, <laughs> it's not open for more. Right. Yeah, I can't just message a venue and they'll they'll let and me hope play. To play. There's a few but they're like crappy ones like Right. And you know, nobody so. wants to play those places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I would mean, you would you rather be the artist on stage or would you want to be the songwriter behind the scenes? I want to be the artist on stage. You want to be the artist on yeah. stage. You've got yeah. the you've got the look and the vibe for it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just working on the confidence, which has gotten a lot better. I think it just comes with time. And was your tour um, stop show at the Tin Roof yeah. your first full band experience? My second, second, but it was the first one without a guitar. And if you're an artist and can relate, it, you feel naked. You do. I felt naked. I like you don't know what to do with your hands. I mean, it, it was weird. But I think by the last song, I was starting to feel more, a lot more comfortable so i think that's just something that comes with time yeah for i sure. remember the first time i played a full band show in nashville and i was a little like because i'd played with my bands in missouri before but there's a different kind of pressure playing in front yeah. of people here the expectations a lot higher and there's so many like things going on like i even the band practices were overwhelming for the first couple times because you know i'm listening to the drums and the guitar i'm like is everybody on time or we all do i follow the drums does this drum follow me? like i it's like a lot to kind of get into the groove of, but then once you get in the groove of it, it's very fun. Right. And I, I always tell people, especially like what you just said is like, as a person who's not used to being what's like a de facto band leader, mm-hmm. 
always follow the drummer. <laughs> yeah. Following yeah. the drummer, because if they're a, a drummer worth their salt, they're going to start and finish at the same tempo. Yeah. And as long as everyone follows the drummer, you're golden. Yeah. And I feel like because when I get excited and my adrenal, Your adrenaline pumping, pushes I'm, you. Yeah. I'm going faster. I'm strumming <laughs> faster. Like, you know, so it is nice to, you know, have them setting the beat. And I'm like, oh, OK, I got to check. Yeah. By the end of a song, you're like, gosh, toy sounds like a punk rock song. I know. Song I'm now. like, whoa. <laughs> I'm out of breath here. I'm like running a marathon on stage. That's what it feels like <laughs> that's literally what it felt like. I was my first one. I was like, I was so out of breath because like, you're just you're singing so fast. Yeah, and just like the energy's so different. Oh yeah, so different. But it's it's fun, and I look forward to doing that more and having more fun with that. What are so. some of those things you want to accomplish in town? I know we've all got yeah. our our bucket list. What are what are some of the yes. things that would be cool for you? So what I've liked to do lately um i've been doing this for like three years is i like to write down um a couple like five to ten goals attainable goals and look back on it you know in a in a six months to a year and see if i've gotten any of those done and i've noticed that that really helps and it works so like some of mine for this year is to get a certain amount of streams on my first single um play certain venues like i for example i want to play bus call this year um that's another full band thing that I've mm-hmm. been looking forward to doing. Um, you know, maybe some more long term term goals would be like be an opener for someone. You know, that's more like that's a bigger step. So you I try to, to hit take, the road as as Julia Larkin yeah. noticed. I mean, this summer, one of my goals was just to play in other states like acoustically, you know, do a mini tour by myself. Mm-hmm. That's more attainable to me. And then maybe next summer start touring with a band. In a couple different states, couple shows over the summer. I think the the idea of touring is glamorized because it, oh, it looks gosh, like, yeah. oh, you're on the road. It's going to be oh, great. And it's I terrible. St- I still hear nightmares of like touring disasters. Like a buddy of mine not too long ago went on a tour into the Midwest, mm-hmm. and they showed up at their Airbnb, and like there was there were no doorknobs, and the windows were broken out. Like, mm. uh, I'm pretty sure this is like a crack house. Like, we shouldn't sleep here. Yeah. Like, we're in a place we've never been. Yeah. Where do we sleep now? Here's the thing. It's, you know, when you're an independent artist, you're doing everything yourself. So, you know, until you get to that point where you have other people doing it for you or you can finance it, you have to do all these things yourself. So so my friend Molly Lovett, shout out. Shout um, out Molly. She started touring, I think, last summer, and she started doing it all on her own, and she told me kind of her experience with it. You have to find the players. You have to, you know, book the hotels. You have to pay for their food. You have to book the shows. Make sure you're getting paid enough where you can pay all your players. You have to book the shows in the same, like, weekend so that it makes sense. And she told me there was a lot of times where she either broke even or even lost money. Yep. And, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, that's what you got to do to get some of the experience. It's an unfortunate reality Mm -hmm. of what we do, though. Right. Is we're bound to lose money. Right. I mean, it's all part of the experience. And I think, you know, anything will help you learn something or get farther. But, yeah, it's it's not easy. I I think that a lot of people don't realize that. And it's it's a lot of work. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It sucks how much work it is. Uh Uh-huh. Like, Uh I... Uh, I've heard forever, as I'm sure you have, that Nashville is a 10-year town. Mm-hmm. Now I see why. I didn't get it. I didn't get I didn't know anything about Nashville until I moved here. And slowly I'm like, wow, okay, it's making sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard. 
Yeah. And it's expensive and yeah. then hard about six more times. <laughs> right. You know, lately I've been living like where we can't take our money to the grave with us. So if you have a little bit and, you know, you can spend it on, you know, that music video or something like that, do it because it, I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's there's some things that are worthy investments. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to play a big full band show, make it one where it can be a big deal. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go play a full band show in sorry, Clarksville, mm-hmm. which is like right up on the Kentucky Tennessee border because no one will be there. Right. And your career most likely won't progress anything from mm-hmm. it, but playing maybe a big full band show at like the basement or like a legendary right. Nashville showcase venue, something like that might be worth the investment or a music video where it can literally be up forever. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't know like what can happen with certain, you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know who's going to see the video. Like you just don't know. So I think it's definitely worth it to do some of these things. Have you heard of the artist Ingrid Michelson? Yes. She has a song called The Way I Am. Yep. Which, I was just thinking about the Rogaine line. Yep. I'm like, that is just such a weird line. Yep. Of I'll but buy you that Rogaine. song, uh, she released that song independently as mm-hmm. she has with all of her albums uh, on CD Baby. And CD Baby loves to talk about her as an example of why independent artistry is difficult, but why it can be so financially rewarding. Yes. Is because she owned 100% of that song. Mm-hmm. And then Old Navy picked it up for a commercial ad. And then all of a sudden, it, it started charting. And this, this was years after it was yeah. released. But yeah. you never know. You put something up once and then maybe somebody later is like, I love that. I want that. And it's poof, a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. There's oh, there's just so many pros and cons to everything. Like. I mean, it's not going to work out for any everybody, but it could work out for you. So right. might as well just try. <laughs> if, if at first you don't succeed, uh, you'll probably fail about 100 more mm-hmm. times. And oh then gosh, you can yeah. try again. And maybe the 101st time, yeah. something will work. Yeah. So, I mean, we've done, I think it's something around six or 700 Nashville tour stop shows, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Oh, yeah. And I'm at this place in my career now where I'm just barely starting to feel like something is working. Yeah. And I've been doing, we're about to have our five year anniversary this year. We started it in 2018 and we're recording this in 2023, the year of, gosh, I used to say the year of our Lord Blake Shelton, but I can't say that now. That was 2022. (laughs) Who should, who should 2023 be? The year of our Lord Alan Jackson? Wait, what are the, like, what, what makes. Oh, it's just whoever. Whoever we want. Oh, man. Well, that's <laughs> you like can a lot of pick, pressure. You can pick our new country music year of our Lord person. The year um, of our Lord Dolly Parton. You know what? I'm going to say like someone like Kelsey Ballerini or Lainey Wilson because shout out she to is, a woman. And also like, first of all, Lainey's been here, what, 10 years, something? I think I think so. She just finally hit it off. And also Kelsey because she's killing the game and being her most authentic self. So I think I want to strive to be like that. I could do that. The year of our Lord Kelsey Ballerini. Yeah. <laughs> the year like of that. our Lord Lainey Wilson. I like those. Are those some of the people who you'd want to collaborate with? Um, I've, I mean, if that would you be could. cool if I could. I think Kelsey Ballerini I'd more mm-hmm. feel aligned with. Um, I love country music, but I think she's got more of that pop. That I She think does have I a would. pop vibe. Yeah, I think I'm more lean. Like lean even with uh, Love Me Like You Mean It, it it starts off mm-hmm. kind of like a country adjacent, but it's not like it's not like yeehaw. Right, right. Which that's just not me. I'm not yeehaw. I didn't grow up like that. I'm so. not yeehaw. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I sing the, the Yeehaw Country song parody <laughs> stuff, but yeah. it's because I love funny stuff. Yeah, like we like that stuff, but that's not. I'm not singing it because us. I actually grew up on a right. dirt road. <laughs> right, exactly. And I don't want to. I grew up in suburban Missouri <laughs> on a man made lake. Like, I grew up pretty, pretty boring white dude family. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, Julia, thank you for coming on the podcast thank today. You. Would you like to leave our listeners this week with any kind of uh, maybe a tip for life in Nashville? And it doesn't have to be like, mm-hmm. do this to be successful. But like I mentioned before, uh, my tip is don't go to the East Nashville Taco Bell. Do you have any advice yes. for people who um, might be coming to town? Yes, I am going to get a little deep. I am going to say... If you're thinking about coming here, do it. I think the worst thing that can happen is like you, you don't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't know what's going to happen. And just, I think you just got to trust your gut and do it. If you have something in your heart that's telling you, um, that you need to come here, then do it. And just don't be afraid to get out there. I think the best thing that I ever did was just show up to random places and just meet people and start talking to them. Cause I've made so many friends that way and everyone's so nice here. It's really easy to to make friends here. And I think it really it's just, is. Yeah. You got to get out of your comfort zone and just, you know, pretend that you're an extrovert, even if you're an introvert like myself. That's exactly what I did. It's like when yeah. I, when I was in college, I was pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. I, I was very introverted, but I wanted to ask this girl out and I knew she would never say yes. If I was just some shy little, yeah. some quiet fella, you just got to go for I it. I pretended that I was confident and Lord, yeah. Lord knew it. She said, yes, literally like my motto in life is fake it till you make it. Like that is my motto. Because it works. It works. It works. I was at an Applebee's on Valentine's Day in 2013 and I saw this girl from like the one booth over with all of her little girlfriends and I was with all my guy friends and I saw this girl looking at me and I winked at her and I was, my, my buddy's like, did you just wink at that girl? I said, like, yeah. Damn goes, right I did. He's like, well, you got to go talk to her now. And I was like, well, I'm not, I don't know what to say to her. He goes, pretend that you know what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. I went up and I got her number. There you go. <laughs> You gotta Perfect fake it till you make it. Maybe that's what we can call yes. this podcast: faking it until you make it. Honestly, faking it until you're making idea. it. But I want to be co-host then. Forget the Nashville. <laughs> okay, cool. Forget the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. We're rebranding forever. It's called faking it till you make it. Yes. <laughs> well, Julia, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the the web on the internet? Yes. Um. So my Instagram is Julia Larkin Music, and my website is julialarkinmusic.com. and that lists like all my shows, my you know my music that's out. Um, I will have more music coming out this year. So watch the music video yeah. for toy. Yes, please. We'll have all of that linked in the episode description here as well. So you can just click right onto her Instagram profile and follow her there. Are you a TikTok person? I'm trying to get in there. It's yeah, hard. it's hard. Um, I, don't get I am it. on there. I, I feel like I've done more like TikTok challenges than anything music, honestly. The, I remember the TikTok. You, didn't you have one go viral where you were, yes. you and your husband? Tell us it, tell us what it is so I don't yeah, misquote it. It was the um, tortilla challenge and you like stand in a circle with water in your mouth and you like slap each other in the face of tortilla. <laughs> with tortillas. Yeah, it got like, a lot of views. That's yeah, ridiculous. But not my singing ones. <laughs> it's crazy that the <laughs> things that the we, we pour our heart and souls into mm-hmm. these songs and then It'll get 300 views and then you mm-hmm. slap your husband with a tortilla and it goes there you viral. Go. Yeah, that's, that's the world we live in, I guess. Well, Julia, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Me. Please do remember you can subscribe to the podcast here. We've got, we're, we're literally two subscribers away from 100. So if you're listening to this and you don't follow us, uh, be like Hall & Oates and make my dreams come true. 
So follow us here on the podcast, whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify or wherever the heck you find us. Uh, We also have the podcast Patreon if you'd like to contribute to the the thing that gets me out of my living room. (laughs) I would love to be able to have a a true podcast studio again. That would be nice. But for now, Julia is just comfy on my couch. You know what? I like the couch. Couch is comfy. Okay. (laughs) You can also check us out on the social media places at Nashville Tour Stop basically everywhere. You can also follow us on the web at NashvilleTourStop.com where we've got our full live event calendar listed. Come hang out with me at a show. You may be so lucky as to just find Miss Julia Larkin there as well. I think it's happened before. I'm pretty sure we could get you on. (laughs) But come hang out with us live if you want to come meet me face to face. We've had people flying in from out of state before to meet me, which is crazy, but it's happened. So come hang out with us at Nashville Tour Stop. So until next week, when we come back with the next episode, do remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop. Stop.